started out the year with this focus on growth transitions. And in a way, we thought, wow, it's not only something that we can all apply at a personal level, but it's also something that's happening with our church community right now. You know, our quest and our, our goal and our desire was to try to uh, create more room in our, uh, our, our mission campus here. At certain times, we, did, we didn't have, have enough room for people. We wanted people still to be able to bring others to be able to hear and share and, and to be part of, of helping um, this good, good news of Jesus just go forth. And, and so uh, it's sort of been an, an ongoing dream to, to address that, and, and it's been happening. And so it's very exciting. I'm very proud of so many people who have a real hunger and a, and a, a deep love for the things of God, and that's evident. Now, I want to talk, I'm being honest, uh, this is like the end of, uh, of this you know, six-part series that we opened with at the beginning of the year, and it's kind of a capstone. It's a little bit different. I know we've focused a lot on the unique transition in the life of Jesus that occurred when he was 12 years old. And in a way, this is like the, the final piece of that, but it's also something a little bit different as well. I'm calling it the four growth quadrants, and uh, I'm going to try to use the the piece that describes in the scripture that describes the years of Jesus' life between 12 and 30 as a template or a model for what the growing life looks like, or at least to think about it in a slightly different way. So I'm pretty excited about it. My goal is to motivate. I want all of us to come. I'm hoping and believing that we will all be more motivated to move into the rest of our year, um, to move into this season of our life with a greater degree of intention and commitment to being a growing person. I am convinced that the will of God is that all of us would grow. We talk about experience growth, growth experience. We talk about what it means to pursue growth, to have a growing edge in our life. And so hopefully we will dig into that. And and somewhere along the way, we will hear the voice of the Lord challenging us to pursue some things. And that's my earnest prayer and desire. So let me go ahead and pray, and then we'll we'll move right in. Lord, I want to thank you again for this great opportunity to just come together to be here and to be able to enjoy your presence and to sing to you, sing about you. Um, you know, I know that we all have come for different reasons. Maybe some of us, you know, Lord, we're, we've been following you for a while. And, uh, you know, our real challenge will be to just stay fresh and alive and not sort of just grow casual in our relationship with you. Others of us, we're just brand new. And uh, so much of this is wondrous and expansive and it's growing and it's an adventure. I just pray that we would really... Um, fully throw our heart into it and get everything you have for us. And then there are still others of us. We, we're walking through some really deep wounds right now. And uh, it's hard. And just coming to your house was an act of courage. And, and it could be in a number of areas, Lord, but you know. There are some things you know that nobody else knows. And may there be grace for this moment as well. For some of us, growth sometimes just begins with surviving. And then, of course, there are those among us, Lord, who haven't even yet made a decision to follow you or to surrender our lives to you. And, and we're close, though. We're open. And so I pray for the goodness of God to fill this house. We're all called to a life of growth in you. And I pray that we would receive that invitation. And I ask this blessing to rest over all who are here. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, God. Let it be so. All right, Luke 2.52 is the verse we're going to focus in as a starting point. This is the summary, again, of the life of Jesus first uh, phase of his life, 0 through 12, we talked about that. But the second piece, this 12 through 30 portion of the life of Christ is really summarized by this verse. And I know, you know, you'll periodically come across 
uh, fanciful books, fictional books, mythical books that just talk about what could have happened during the life of Jesus at this period of time. And, and let me just suggest right out from the front that, that you know, in terms of the historical record, the scripture is very clear that Jesus grows up in relative obscurity in, Gaz in Nazareth of the Galilee. And it's there that his life is um, characterized by what the Bible describes as four areas of growth. And we're going to look at those areas of growth. It's not until his public ministry begins that we realize that what he's become is one who has been fully immersed in the Hebrew life. He is a, a clear son of the law who is revealing the new thing that God is doing. Uh, he speaks the language of the Older Testament. He talks about fulfilling the words of God. The law that anticipated his coming is now, he says, being fulfilled before your eyes. All that God had promised is now about to happen. And the son would give his life in fulfillment with all the types and shadows of the Older Testament, all the sacrifices, all the lambs that all portrayed that which was yet to come, the ultimate lamb of God. Jesus becomes that for you and me. But he also models for us the way to live, the way to love, and the way to grow. We're going to look at, though, what the Bible says about those formative years in, in the life of Christ, those years of maturity and his growth from a, a, a young man into mature adulthood. Let's look at what it says here. It says, Jesus increased, that is, he grew in wisdom. If I can just use a, put a little bracket around, he grew in wisdom. He grew mentally uh, and in stature, physically. He grew in favor with God spiritually, and he grew in favor with men socially, the four quadrants of growth. We talk about this. It's one of the ways in which we can think about what the growing life looks like. And, uh, you know, again, uh, Jesus taught us that at the core, you and I are, are spiritual beings. One of the key things that he said was that this body of ours, this exquisite advanced technology is amazing. This mortal coil, this earthly tent in its present form cannot last, will not last. That um, although we, we have an extraordinarily resilient body that is designed to, you know, with a protective and self really self-healing mechanisms. The body is an amazing, wondrous thing. Stunning. <laughs> it's stunning in the way in which the systems of our body work together. We take for granted so much about the intricacies of what we have here. It's, it's so amazing. It's an amazing testimony of the ultimate hand of creativity. I mean, when we marvel at some of the things that human beings build, and we say, can you believe the technology and the feat that has been accomplished? some of the instruments of technology that we now possess, but they pale in comparison to the extraordinary, unique, fabulous, magnificent human body that has stunning capacity. And um, we reflect at some level our creator. However, having said that, all of us understand that we all, um, in this body of ours, are prone to being damaged. Uh, it can break. Parts can start to decay on us. We all know that, right? We get older. Even when I was young, I remember thinking about life and death issues, and I would sort of watch and watch people and and um, think about life and, and walk with God and, and the beginning of my life and the span of life and the arc of life. And you know, I would say that I, wrote, I remember writing something in one of my journal entries that says that age comes upon us like a relentless rider. It just pursues us. It just is on us. And as the years go by, the gap just keeps getting closer and closer and closer. No matter how long we ride, eventually it catches us. And we leave this world. Jesus talked about how at the core we are, again, spiritual beings, and how that there is going to come a point when we will leave this body, 
and embark upon a different kind of journey. Um, and that journey is either going to lead us to God, we call that heaven, or away from God, we call that hell. Jesus talked about those things and how it, what we do with him has deep eternal significance and meaning and consequence. Having said that, he also suggested, and someone phrased it this way, that we are, we are really spiritual beings uh, at the core. We are more spiritual beings on a human journey than we are human beings on a spiritual journey. In other words, the human journey has an endpoint for us, a final square in the uh, calendar. Don't know when mine is. We don't know when our final, final day is. Went to, uh, you know, had a very interesting juxtaposition of a week. On the one hand, um, celebrated the birthday of someone who's extraordinarily special to me. Um, yesterday was my grandmother's 88th birthday, in fact. She's right there by the pole. I see you. I see you over there. Yay. And she's still loved. And uh, it was quite a special moment uh, to, to just get there. We're talking about that. And, uh, you know, she's the last grandparent I have. And, and it has great meaning to me. But at the same time, this week was filled with juxtaposition because, again, not only celebrating a life point, which is what birthdays kind of do for us. They're marking points along the way. But also my wife, her, her grandmother, uh, my wife, as many of you know, is of Chinese descent, and, and uh, my wife's grandmother was very involved for most of her life in Chinatown, and, and she passed away at, at 93 years of age, and people came from all over to celebrate her life. And, you know, one of the things about funerals is that, it, you know, even when they're, they're, they're something that's positive because someone lived well, and loved well, they also have something of a bittersweet component. There's always a, a tinge of melancholy at, at a funeral. And part of it invites us to think long thoughts about our own lives and about how we want to, to be remembered and, and what, in what way would we be remembered and how are we living our lives right now. That's one of the reasons why the Bible talks about in the book of Ecclesiastes that, you know, I went to the house of celebration and party, the party, I didn't learn anything, but I went to the house of mourning and my soul was instructed. Uh, there are times when in the places of suffering or when we're thinking about, you know, death, that we are sobered to thinking more clearly about our life. And if we use those moments in positive ways, they can actually become clarifying places for us because they get us thinking in the right direction, in the way that Jesus talked about having our priorities straight. And so, you know, oh, and then who can, you know, yesterday, um, driving home from the evening service, the buzz everywhere, I turned the radio on, we were listening, I went home, watched, it was all about the uh, premature death of a cultural icon, you know, Whitney Houston. And everybody was talking about that and what it meant, and there was memories, and, and this uniquely gifted person was you know, being remembered and, and talked about, and I thought, well, and everybody was talking about it. It was everywhere. I remember when, or think about this. It was just very reflective time, and it's still happening, I suppose, right now. But the point is this, that we are invited between the now and the then, whenever the then is for us, we are invited to think about how we are living this life of ours. And I think it would be helpful from time to time to take inventory of, of, our, of our life, and particularly of these four quadrants that I'm going to uh, have us look at together. And again, the purpose is just to do some life reflection before the Lord, and hopefully to think about possibly listening for the Lord's voice if he's asking us to pursue something, sharpen our focus in some areas, get some areas in our lives tightened up, 
and begin to start some things anew in a, in a fresh way that will produce growth in life and vitality. Let's talk about that together. Let's talk about the first and the most important quadrant of the four. Clearly, this is the place that Jesus said the priority needs to be, and that's the spiritual quadrant. Q1, spiritual quadrant, if we could think of it that way, what Jesus called the most important piece. In, math, in Mark, actually, in Mark's account, in chapter 8, verse 34 through 37, I put this in the handout as well, we did. And Jesus is talking here. I just want to quickly read through this. He said that when he called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Let that person take up their cross and follow me. That there's going to have to be something that's going to cost us to follow him in some way. But it's a good thing. He says, for whoever desires to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake and the gospels, this good news, this message of the kingdom will save it. And then the great question that we're all invited to, to embrace and let it challenge us. For what shall it profit a man or a woman if they would gain this whole world and squander and give away their soul? Jesus said, what will a man give in exchange for their soul? Jesus was reminding us that there are things that are very important in life, but none that are more important than our soul. We often talk about how the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. They asked Jesus the question, how do you summarize the law? He says, well, if I were to summarize the commands, I'd sum summarize it in two ways. I'd distill it down to two phrases. One is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You start there. That's the beginning, the foundational point. Isn't the second is like unto this, that you love your neighbor as yourself, that you love people. Really, loving God, loving people, the simplicity of the gospel. It's powerful. It's in its dynamic. But one of the things we're aware of is that this idea of loving God it, it's, it's something that has got to show up in our lives. And a life that is lived in love with God is usually a life that is immersed in certain things. And as a way of just getting us thinking clearly about it, because it's one thing to say, yeah, I want to grow spiritually as a follower of Jesus. But to say it and not pursue it uh, is going to produce a nice aspiration with no results. We know that, just like in anything, that there are basic things that the, the abundant or vibrant Christian life, the vibrant life in God, is going to be characterized by. One of it is going to cost us something. And, you know, and interestingly enough, by the way, speaking of cost, you know this, this passage that we just read here was a product of an exchange that occurs between Jesus and Peter. The reason Jesus said this what shall it profit in this, this, when he says this statement about taking up your cross? It was as a result because what had happened was Jesus had started a conversation. He had said, listen, I need to tell you guys something. Uh, there are some things happening here that are going to rock your world. I'm about to go into Jerusalem, and they're going to kill me. But I want you to understand that death is not going to be the final word here. I'm going to rise again. Peter doesn't even hear the last phrase. He's focused on the first one. And he turns and he says, Jesus, come here, I want to talk to you. And the Bible says that in, in some versions it says he, Peter began to rebuke Jesus. Other versions it says he begins to reprimand him. What are you saying? And Jesus turned, and then we're told in one of the most stark, amazing exchanges in all the scripture that as Peter is reprimanding Jesus, Jesus turns back to him and he delivers a word that must have just shot through him. And it was meant to go through him because it was focused on what was behind his well-intentioned words that were tempting Jesus to move off path. Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. Wow. 
You savor not the things of God. You savor the things of man. That's the older version's way of rendering it. What you value is not the things that God values. Get behind me. I will not hear that word. It was delivered out of concern, out of, out of honest, in his way, assertive ambition, protective want to protect Jesus, Jesus says, you don't understand that God has a pathway for me to go. And out of that path, which is going to lead me into the place of death, is going to come forth life. And that life is going to flow like a healing stream in every direction. And what I don't need right now is the people who are closest to me trying to speak words to get me off course. I'm on my game. I am fixed. (laughs) Powerful, dynamic. I say that because there are times where God calls us to fix our life with him. It's going to come as a result of, of things that are very basic. One, I say this, but we are go- if we are serious about following Jesus and we want to have a vibrant spiritual life, we're going to have to be a, a students of his scripture, of his words. We're going to have to love his words. We're going to have to spend time with his words. He says, listen to me, my words, they are spirit and they are life. Hide them in your heart. Psalmist said, your word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. David said, your words were like honey to me sweetness to me. He says, your word is a light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet. Is your not word, Jeremiah the prophet said, is your word not like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? The power of the word of God. But to stay with it, to read about the word, to read the word, let it live in us. A person who immerses themselves in his words, a person who has a consistency of, of engaging, reading the scriptures. We talk about the value of dialogue and prayer and of long reflection, of a conversational life with God, how that is meant to be a very natural thing for us to just talk to the Lord, to have times when we talk to him throughout our day. I love you, Lord. I'm listening for your voice. We talked about how there's also a need for what we call fellowship or healthy social interaction and, and what, a, what, a, what life-giving social interaction and spiritual interaction looks like, how important it is to have a, a section of our life where we have clear relationships where we are sharpening one another to grow in a healthy life with Jesus, where people uh, are exchanging and sharing life with us. We talk about the value of training with others to live the life with God. And then then I would add a a fourth piece to that to keep this vibrant spiritual life is going to mean that we're going to have to be open to to witness and sharing and serving. The idea of, of talking and living um, people, some people say to me, yeah, I never talk about Jesus. I just try to live it. And I say, well, I respect that, and I want to live it too. I do. I, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and honor your Father who is in heaven, that a life w- is to be characterized by good works and serving others. This is a right thing to do. Jesus modeled that. But to never talk about him is to miss so much of what he intends for us to to, to do on his behalf. There are going to come times in life where we're going to be presented with opportunities to speak up uh, concerning our love for him. And we're going to have to decide, am I ashamed of Jesus or not? I get it. There's a lot of misconceptions about him, but if people who, are, who say they love him, and, and we, I believe many of us do dearly and honestly, um, but if we don't talk about that relationship because we're ashamed of him, and yet we say we love him, and we don't talk about him because we're ashamed. Come on now. I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm not talking about in your face. I'm just talking about being open, about my love for the one who's made all the difference in my life. And he is not ashamed of me in all of my imperfection, brokenness, and sinfulness. How can I be ashamed of him? 
When the door swings open to share our heart for him, we must do it. The spiritual quadrant, we need to pursue it. We need to be open about it. But it's just one of the four. What's the second one? The mental, the, the intellectual, if you will. It says Jesus grew in wisdom. Do you understand that when we follow, decide to follow Jesus, we've decided to sign on for the growing, expansive life. One of the ways we worship God, um, you remember what Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Our thoughts, our expansion of our, of our sort of uh, thinking and uh, the way in which we embrace life as a discoverer, that we are to be, as followers of Jesus, we are to be an ongoing, continual learner throughout all the days of our life. It doesn't mean we're done with school, but we're not done with learning. Not when we sign on with the Lord. We, and some of us may find ourselves in jobs where, you know, we're just not really being challenged or we have a very narrow niche of learning. Let me tell you, it's very important to stay active, engaged, to explore. I'll tell you, there's a great scripture in Proverbs 25 that says this. It says, the glory of God it will put this up, is to conceal in Proverbs 25, 2, verse number 2. The glory of God is to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of the king to seek it out. You know what this is talking about? It's extolling the virtue of discovery. It's saying that there's something regal, something almost um, gloriously regal in being a searching, exploring person in life. It's one of the secrets. You know, some of the people, sometimes I'll, I, I love at times to talk to people who are older than me, who have lived life, and, and I love to talk to people who are vibrant in their, in their uh, later years. And one of the things I've always been impressed with is someone who continues to be a grower, a, a growing person who's open to learning new things. And that mind is active and alive and open to God and, and open to hearing things and exploring. And there's a reading life that's going on. And there's experience. You know, we can't learn from experiences we don't have. And, and there's this idea of it, it continually just becoming someone who's expanding. And I think that we've all been invited to this idea of growing in the grace and a knowledge of the truth. And, and so I think at every life season, we've been called to expand our knowledge base. And I would just say that let's be open to having a strategy for continually uh, growing at an, an intellectual level. And then thirdly, the physical, the Q3. Jesus grew also in his stature, his physical. Although we're not to worship our bodies, I think we all get that. We are to take care of them. There are some things we can't do, do anything about genetically, but there are some things that we do, we do have a, a say in. And again, I'm not talking about worshiping our bodies, but you gotta remember this though. This body, this tent, it is the vehicle whereby our spirit expresses itself. And so the Bible reminds us that we are to steward this body of ours as best as we can, uh, just like we are to steward our environment. And in the same way, you know, if you think about it, when God instructed his people, his church, the Old Testament church, Israel, when they were in the wilderness, and they were, he, he gave them guidelines, and he gave them laws that pertain to diet, and he talked about things like exercise and these dietary laws, and, and rest, really, rest was a big one. So God gives his people dietary laws, and, and he gives them a command. Of, can you imagine the first time that I can think of anyone ever came up with the idea of, being told, you must rest. I command you to do nothing but recreate. I want you to remember you are not just workers clawing your way through life. You are made in the very image of the living God. There is a part of you that is like me. And therefore, but yet you're limited. I want you to be a people who learn to rest 
to recreate your soul. I want you to have a rhythm to your life. I want you to breathe deeply the goodness of God, not just race through life. There's this, and he's telling them, look, thou shalt, thou, thou shalt, but honor the Sabbath. Wow. Remember your need for rest. Remember your need for recreation. Powerful, beautiful. I love that. I love that God cares for us that way. And again, shouldn't worship the body, but we should steward it. Fourthly, quickly, the social quadrant. And again, Jesus grows wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with man. That last phrase, favor with man, socially. You know what I'm talk- we're talking about here? What we're talking about here is this whole um, need of ours for friendship and companionship. But really, just stay with me on this. I'm talking about the value of strengthening our relational capacities and how important it is to be a growing person in this area of our life, that we need to pay attention to the perception of others and not dismiss them when they're trying to give us honest input, that all of us can grow in this way. Here's the thing. We need to seek to understand ourselves without being overly self-consumed And we need to seek to understand others without becoming unhealthily compliant. Do you understand what I'm getting at? There is a value in knowing ourselves. Here's the stuff I bring into my life stage right now. I've got stuff from my past. My family has a way in which we've operated. I've got stuff that I drop into when the right buttons are pushed. This is what comes out of me. I've had a pattern of reacting this way. I need to be aware of that. When I'm hurt, I respond this way. Now, are these the things that God really wants me to be, or is he asking me to grow? There are also some of us who, in our desire to seek to understand others, we become unhealthily compliant. That is, we we allow the perceptions of others, the the opinion of others, sometimes whom we love, to be be something that dominates us, and so we end end up sort of living life resentfully, and that's not good either. That this, this part of this growth in us that God wants to do to be able to see ourselves as his sons and his daughters, children of the king, we find our identity in him, and we remember that we are loved, and we are called to grow, growing and knowing ourselves, growing in, in learning how to listen, how to hear, how to communicate better. Listen, all through our life, we are to pay attention to growth. It's something that God is calling us to. I've heard people say, well, that's just the way I am, and I probably have said that at some You know what? Sorry, it doesn't work with the Lord that way. That's not good enough. I know that may be the way I am, but God's calling me to grow and to become a better version of who I am, the one he wants me to become. That means I'm going to have to be open. I'm going to have to be open to, to changing some of the, the ways in which I, I approach things. I have to be open with my attitudes and my, and my uh, communication patterns and the way I anger you know, wait, I allow anger to, to manage me. Am I managing it or is it managing me? You know, I, what I'm t- saying is there are times where we're invited to, as the old writer Beekner used to say, we are invited to listen to our lives. Are we listening to our lives? And if so, what is it saying? That's what Jesus was partly getting at. Now, here's how we'll end. Rather than just saying, here are the four quadrants, and I clearly made the case that one is the most important, but the other three are there. We might hear God's challenging some of us in some of these areas to respond. I want to leave us with four questions. Four questions that are designed to drive home this. And I'm not going to take a long time, but I want to lay them before us. Because what I'm hoping is that we'll take these four questions and 
play this out. We'll sit with some of this, maybe over a cup of coffee or tea or in a small group setting, or just with someone, or maybe in the privacy of our own time. But we'll spend some time thinking about it and allowing it to help us sharpen our focus as we head into the rest of this year, coming out of this opening time of the year. So here's the first question that I have for us to consider in conjunction with this teaching on the four quadrants of growth. Number one, are we getting caught up with our culture's definition of success, or are we staying with Jesus? Huge deal. Okay, how can I, I'll say it this way. We must always remember, those of us who sincerely want to follow him, we must always remember that we are living in a culture that worships the things that Jesus said means little. We are. We are living in the midst of a culture that worships and honors the things that Jesus says don't mean that much and tends to neglect the things that Jesus said matters most. And is, we must always factor that into the way in which we are allowing our life to be constructed because there's dominant, our dominant culture is going to tell us that certain things are important that Jesus says aren't that really, they're okay, but they're not the, that's not what is most important. And we have to be intentional about reorganizing our priorities based on what Jesus says is truly important. Loving God, loving people, leaving behind a good legacy, serving well, being a person who can reflect his goodness and his grace. It's not, okay, I, I just want to leave it right there. In other words, it's kind of like when he says, pay attention to gaining your soul. Are we gaining our soul? Are we doing soul work? Or are we caught up in trivial things that will fade away as soon as our life comes to a close? They're gone, forgotten, sometimes argued over. They do not last. Build to last. Then the third, second question here is this. Are we on a growing path? I just want to be honest about that. Maxwell, and I put this, is a great motivated, motivated teacher and writer and author. He said, look, Change is inevitable. Growth is optional. Change is inevitable. Growth is optional. We can't control a whole bunch of stuff. Change is going to always be happening in our lives. A lot of that change, we can't do anything about it. It's happening. It happens to us, around us. We're affected by it. But growth is a decision. We make it. We decide. We decide if we're going to pursue things, grow, learn, expand, become. This is our decision. And I'm going to suggest that it's really important for us to have a growth strategy at this season in our life, wherever our season is. Some of us are young. Cultivate a growth strategy. Some of us are in the middle years. Cultivate a growth strategy. Some of us are older. And the real temptation is, oh, it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. We do not know the duration of our days and who we affect. Live for God, stay on a growth path, stay vibrant and alive in him until the day we're promoted to another place. It's a growing life. Thirdly, what are the primary threats and obstacles to that growth? Once we think about our growth path or our path of growth, what are the things that really, you know, think about it. At a spiritual level, we're told in the scriptures, let us lay aside every sin and every weight that does so easily beset us. Spiritually speaking, there are things that are absolutely toxic to us. I mean, it's like it's kryptonite. Uh, we just are, we, we get, we, or Samson's hair being cut. Got no power. I'm so vulnerable. Some of us, 
We have to have healthy boundaries. You know you go around certain places when you're driving and on certain edges of particularly um, areas that have danger, uh, you'll notice they'll put guardrails. And those guardrails are not designed to cheat us from something. They're designed to save our life. God wants us sometimes to have healthy guardrails. We've got to know ourselves. Some of us, the right buttons are pushed. We just go this way, and we will mess ourselves up. Spiritually, we'll just fall apart while we start dropping back into old patterns of behavior. We start picking up old addictions. Listen, the life in Christ is the growing life, but it's an honest life. It's real. It's, it's, it, it builds safety nets to compensate for weakness. Some of us have different areas of vulnerability. To be aware of those vulnerabilities and then to compensate for that is a very wise way to live life in God. It's one of the reasons we are constantly talking about the value of knowing ourselves. Some of us, we have habits that we are acquiring that we need to be challenging those habits. Those are not good habits in our lives. We need to, we can do better than that. And we need to say, or oh, we've gotten lazy. We've drifted back into stuff that we shouldn't be doing. And really, honestly, we know it. With God in our life, we don't even want to do it. It's just we're just doing it because we're not really focusing our energies on building a life that it really is going to produce quality. And it's going to require an intention on our part. But here's the deal. And, this is, and that leads into the last piece. The last question is this. Are there, if there are obstacles, yes. Are there also opportunities in our growth? What are they? What are the opportunities that are there? I'm thinking like this. Where do we sense God is calling us to focus our attention? Are there growth transitions that we're being called to make? Are there high leverage activities where we can grow in two quadrants at the same time? For example, we can work out or run or walk um, and be thinking or listening to things that are life producing. That's an example of double leverage. Um, we can do something physical and spiritual at the same time. We can, we can leverage out uh, being involved in a small group at the same time hosting something, we, hospitality and, and sharing. There are different ways. I'm, I'm, the point is that we think about it. We got to think about it. But the biggest thing of all is who are the people that God wants us to be accountable to in our lives at this season of our life? Are there people who we need to be sharing our life with who will hold us accountable to the things that we say we want to pursue. I have that in my life. I believe in giving people permission to speak into our lives, and we share our hurts, we share our wounds, we share our, our desire to be courageous with our faith and to not quit when we feel defeated. Two is better than one, threefold core, not easily broken. The fact is we're all going to need one another at times to just pray for one another, that the mediation of the grace of God often comes through the voice of another or the prayer of another. I for, we pray for forgiveness in Jesus' name. The power to set free, the power to, to be reminded, hey, did you say we're, this is what you're committed to? Or come on now, bro, that's probably not the way to approach this. It's not what you want to do. I don't think that makes sense. I don't sense that's what God's saying. These are the things that really help us grow and develop. Last thing, the last of the last. What does Maxwell say here? Success is this, knowing your purpose in life, growing to reach your potential, sowing seeds that benefit others. Think of it this way, knowing, growing, and sowing. Knowing, growing, and sowing. Knowing your purpose, and that purpose is found in your life with God. Knowing your purpose Growing, growing to reach the potential to be the best version of you that God wants you to be, that he wants us to be. Not settling for uh, mediocrity, uh, not letting ourselves just drift into, into 
bad behavior or waste this precious gift called life. But as the Apostle Paul said to his young protege, Timothy, stir up the gift that is within you. Stir it up because the fire at times needs to be given new oxygen and a new vision. Stir it up. Don't get stuck in a rut and just kind of live it out. Play out the clock. Don't do that. Don't do that. Live well. Grow well. Challenge things in our lives. Invite the Lord in. Invite others in. Contend for the growing life. That's what God's calling us to. Also, you'll notice in the back there is a song that we're closing with. It's called Closer to the Edge. I mean, just explain it. We're going to close with it. This song is not about, it's a, first off, it's a metaphor and it has paradox in it. It's, it's a poem, really. But the edge is not the edge of, uh-oh, I'm going to go over the edge, fall over the edge. It's not the edge of peril. It's the edge of opportunity. I'm on the edge of a new thing. I'm on the edge of a new beginning. I was down in one round, but I'm coming back in the second round. That's the idea. That's the picture. And there's this one line where he says, uh, now, it's in the chorus, now I'm flying with my feet on the ground. There was something about that phrase. And again, it's a very poetic way of saying it. But the ground, I'm, on the gr- I'm grounded in my life. I, I'm, my life is built on a sure foundation. That solid rock, that rock is Jesus. And yet I'm flying. I'm grounded, but I'm flying. That paradox of a life alive to the adventure of God, in light of all the pains and the wounds, I get it, that are there, And there are seasons where we're just going to need to heal. But there are also times where God's saying, this is your time to be soaring. Build your life on the solid ground. Keep your foundation true. And fly with me to the places I want you to go. Soar forward. Pursue growth. Let's pray together. So, Lord, I want to thank you for the way in which you taught us we were to live our lives. And it's an art project. It's a a work of your hand of grace, but it's also something that we're deeply involved with and we get to decide. Again, change is inevitable. Growth is an option. I pray that we would be a people who are open to fixing our focus in the right direction, that we're building on the right things for the right things. And, And again, what are the particular things that you might be calling us to pursue that would produce incremental growth in our life? A lot of that growth, Lord, as the years go by, What happens is it's just a little bit at a time. It's in fits and stages, sometimes one step back, two steps forward. But by the time we're done, we can look back and say, wow, God, you've done some amazing things in my life. And I thank you for that. I thank you so much for that. And I want to be a blessing. And I want to be a blessing for you. And I want to live a good life for you. I want to honor you well. Keep me from the the pathway of a fool. Lead me in the pathway of the righteous. I pray for this in Jesus, in your name. Keep me in the growing place. So we ask for your blessing. Bless our closing time of giving as so many are faithful. Bless this closing song that we close with to honor you and to make our final word. We ask this all together in Jesus' name. Amen.